0: Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast, where we take a behind-the-scenes intimate look at surgery from leaders in the field. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Knife. We're very pleased today to talk a little bit about something that's happening in the era of the coronavirus, and that's virtual interviews and virtual meetings, specifically as we talk about fellowship interviews and residency interviews. We're very pleased to have three guests on our panel, as well as the BTK crew. The first one is Dr. Howard Ross, who's a professor of surgery and chief of colorectal surgery. He's also the program director of the general surgery residency at Temple University in Philadelphia, PA. The second is Dr. Ajita Prabhu, who is a general minimally invasive surgeon. She's also an associate professor of surgery, and she's an assistant program director for the general surgery residency here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And we also have uh, back Dr. Wu Do, who is an incoming chief resident. We're very proud of Wu and very pleased to announce that he has been accepted into a pediatric surgery residency at uh, Boston Children's Hospital. So um, that is our panel, and and welcome everybody to uh, Behind the Knife.
1: Thanks,
0: Thanks for God. having us. Okay. So uh, Howard, let's start off with you. Uh, obviously being a program director for a general surgery residency, kind of what are your thoughts in general when uh, when the coronavirus hit and you started to think about potentially having uh, these interviews come up and, and how the migration to a virtual platform, uh, did you have some views that have changed since the pandemic? Uh, and then what are your thoughts from prior to the pandemic and how have they changed over that time?
2: Absolutely. So it was, first of all, we've all changed and grown. And I think in some ways improved, uh, because of the pandemic, uh, when the pandemic hit our, our, uh, chief residents were out interviewing for various fellowships and they were coming back and, uh, I remember one specifically, one woman had sat next to a US Army soldier who was just coming back from Korea and they had closed the base so then she came into our conference and the question was whether she was going to be quarantined and we've gone from there and never had uh, attending a zoom conference to where we are now where all of the fellow interviews were completed virtually and now all the general surgery interviews uh, for the up and coming year will be held virtually the boards are all being held virtually so we've really uh, come a long way uh, initially, obviously, we were all intimidated. We had no idea how we would communicate via technology, and that person-to-person uh, loss uh, couldn't be imagined. But as we've become better at using uh, uh, virtual platforms, it's much more comfortable to speak. And I think that gives us hope that we're going to be, be able to do many, many things uh, virtually successfully, and perhaps even more successfully than we did um, in person, uh, and there are going to be a lot of advantages uh, to virtual interviewing, which we'll get to, and then some disadvantages, which hopefully we can uh, uh, overcome.
3: How about it? Uh, how about over at the uh, Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Prabhu Did you guys utilize virtual platforms at all beforehand? So is this something that's completely new? And can you talk to me a little bit, of, you know, what that transition's been like, and what some 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 challenges that you faced? In addition to what went into making the decision to transition to a, a virtual platform?
1: Sure. Um, So I would say, you know, I think we all had a bit of trepidation prior to uh, getting started with all the virtual visits that we have just in the course of our daily lives now. Um, But I think one of the things that we all noticed pretty quickly is that it is quite easy to get onto a Zoom meeting or any of the other platforms that are there. Um, So I think, you know, just just via our routine committee meetings, our routine work, we quickly were able to see that it's easy to establish a rapport with each other. It's easy to get work done. Um, Most people don't have a lot of technological difficulty, despite what I had getting on this one today. Um, (laughs) And then as far as the residency goes, you know, we're a pretty large residency program and currently we have 10 categorical residents per year as well as a pretty robust prelim group. Um, And for us, I think we all recognize pretty Quickly, that with the pandemic and social distancing, it would be incredibly difficult to execute those in person. Um, so our thought process was more that we've become quite facile at using these virtual platforms, and why not extend that um, to our to our interviews for potential residents? Interestingly, tonight um, We'll be doing a welcome for our incoming interns where there are several different kind of uh, rooms that they can go into and we'll have some staff from each of our various locations in each of those rooms so that the interns can come and have a meet and greet with us that way. Um, So we're figuring out creative ways to cross those barriers that have been established by this pandemic situation.
3: So that's great. I kind of wanted to address that first. Um, Let's look first from the the program's uh, perspective. So what are some tips and tricks for programs to how do you digitally represent yourself to candidates? Um, And maybe just down some nitty gritty, just some nuts and bolts of, of, of what the interview process looks like from your perspective. And then I think we can get into, you know, from the candidates' perspective, you know, what kind of things that some tips and tricks uh, for them.
2: Yeah, we're we're busily uh, actively crafting uh, what the process will be. The challenges that we want to overcome. We're very proud of our culture. We think that our culture makes us uh, special. In fact, every program has a special culture, and it was really the culture in many ways that a, uh, an applicant should try to go to a program to visit. That was a goal of their visit was to see, do I really fit in here? Do it, do, does the attitude of the residents and the attendings and the relationships between the residents and the residents and the residents and the attending, does that fit with what I'm about? Do they value the things that I'm about? And the transmission of that culture of the specific um, institution culture is, is the big challenge for us. I can speak for us personally that the night before our interviews we have a reception and at that reception I think I find out more about the applicants and how well they're going to interact and fit uh, than um, I do at the interview day we certainly learn things on the formal interviews but that ability to uh, have small talk and see if they really uh, understand what we're about is very powerful and that's what was lost so Uh, from that point of view, it's the transmission of culture uh, and the sense of being able to deliver personality uh, that's well, that's one of our uh, big two challenges. So we're doing a lot of things to try to address the transmission of culture over uh, internet. Um, we're, we're currently holding a uh, video filmmaking contest for life in Philadelphia as a, as a surgery resident and life at Temple University Hospital as a surgery resident. And we've challenged the, the uh, residents to go make videos and then we'll judge them and put them up on the website and uh, and certainly feature them during the interview day in a hopes that we can somehow transmit what we're about Um, and then obviously when we hold the day we'll do a lot that uh, tries to uh, transmit that uh, culture as well. Dr. Prabhu what do you think?
1: I completely agree I think we are facing many of the same challenges and I think specifically um, our main challenge has been also transmitting the culture that we have and the True family that we've built at the Cleveland Clinic. And I think similarly, you know, in a large program, it can often be very difficult for candidates to tell if they're not actually on the ground spending time with us. So we are also turning our efforts towards getting that message across. We have had a video that we've shown in person in the past. Um, to our candidates that shows a bit of the culture behind our residency program. And certainly we'll be using um, that as one of our tools and the rest of it, I think we're continuing to talk about it and try to figure out strategies to make that come across. Um, And thus far, I'll say, you know, I don't think that we've settled on our final strategy and we continue to have talks about it every day.
0: So to piggyback on a point that Howard brought up, one of the things that we've always tried to do is involve our residents and our fellows in terms of interacting with the potential candidates to get a feel for them. Obviously they're in the system or they've been in the system for a while and they can kind of get a sense, does this person fit or not? So any thoughts about how you're including your current residents or fellows into this virtual platform to get a sense for them? I mean, one of the, as you say, one of the things, and we've I encourage all of our listeners to go back a ways in the BTK archives and check out some of our other kind of uh, tips and tricks about uh, in-person interviews back at that stage uh, pre-COVID. But, you know, we learn a lot from that social interaction, but we also learn a lot from our fellows who are mingling uh, with these candidates all day long, eating lunch with them and kind of when they let their hair down a little bit and we find out some interesting things about them. Uh, Ajita, we'll start with you.
1: Sure. Um, I think... So first of all, I think we need to very clearly demonstrate the things that candidates want to know about that they're afraid to ask, because now they don't get to show up on the ground and take a look around and see what that looks like. So to me, the kind of questions that a candidate might be interested in asking, but a little too afraid to ask might be things about family life outside of work, or how the residents interact with each other and the fellows. They might ask about diversity with respect to both the resident faculty, resident and faculty. Um, so I think they would want to know those types of things. And I think a crafty program might work hard to show those things uh, on their virtual platform. So I think it's important for us to figure out ways to let them know that we do have a diverse faculty and that we do all have family lives outside of work and that sort of thing, I think will be important in terms of its imagery. Um, And we definitely wanna show that off. Um, I think the other things are that with regard to the fellows specifically, I think it's important for them to have a presence when we are doing these interviews and actually talk about what their interactions are with the program, I think to some extent there's going to be a fair amount lost in translation, and there's really not a lot that we can do to overcome that. I also think that's true for every program, so I think that that will be true across the board. And so we do the best that we can to make up for that.
0: Howard, Ajita brings up a great point, and not only do we find out a lot about the the potential applicants, but they find a lot about us, and they they ask, "Hey, what is what is Ross like? What is Prabhu like?" and you know, in a virtual platform, they may not have that opportunity to be able to do. So uh, how, how does that all come about? And then kind of just, again, to find out what are, what are your thoughts on this matter?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We we truly want the uh, residents that come here to understand what we're about. Uh, and the power of that reception was what just watching how people interacted from their point of view. Um, so we're going to try to have a lot of different uh different types of sessions during the virtual day, uh, where the residents feel, uh, where the future residents, the medical students feel comfortable to ask anonymous questions uh, to different classes. Um, So we're gonna have small groups of uh, breakout rooms where it's just residents of different levels and a small number of applicants uh, so that they could ask what they like. It's not overwhelming um with regard to the number of residents versus the number of applicants because that will that would diminish you know the intimacy of conversation and we will encourage everyone to be transparent and ensure them that those breakout rooms are anonymous and they're not going to be judged by um you know what goes on there so uh, with regards to this you know online
3: presence that you have. I imagine you guys are utilizing, uh, you're leveraging social media. So in what ways are you leveraging social media? And maybe give us an example of something that you think is the most, something interesting that you've tried that either has worked well or maybe something you tried that has just completely flopped and not worked at all.
1: We have a pretty active um, Twitter account from the Cleveland Clinic General Surgery Residency. Um, and that has always existed you know, for the past several years now. And often when we are at professional society meetings or whatever other events that we are attending, I think um, most people are fairly engaged in tweeting and retweeting the things that we are doing. Um, as far as creative other things, we have a presence on Facebook um, and Twitter. And that's honestly, at this point, that's where, where we are.
2: Yeah, I would agree that all the creativity is happening right this very minute. Um, you know, Not only did we announce the uh, contest for the best videos, but uh, a lot of people are looking at our website to see uh, if it's vibrant and, um, and robust and where it can be better and where we can reach out uh, further and uh, provide more uh, up-to-date and, uh, and again, colorful information that really talks about us. Uh, and it's all really, you know, we have all those, uh, we have all the platforms covered currently. But I'd say if we're going to depend on this world, as opposed to it just being a supplement, uh, then we have to do better. So we're we're currently uh, storming the storming the virtual fort.
0: So before we transition to Wu to get his experience, I just couple of kind of detailed questions for you. So do you have any recommendations out there? I know it's a lot different for applicants to be successful in a virtual interview. Obviously, it's one thing you're all gussied up in a suit or a a dress or whatever, whatever the deal is, and you come in, you're ready to go. But what about the virtual arena? Is there specifics with entire what about environment? Should they be at home in in a professional setting? Can they be on their couch? Should they go into work in the area? What What are your thoughts about these different ones? Because these are grounds that a lot of us have not kind of gone through before. And it's it's a little bit weird, like how can I present myself in the best image and professional, but also to kind of show the true essence of how I am as a person, as a candidate.
1: So one thing I would say is that I think it's very important for everyone to keep in mind that despite us being on virtual platforms and a lot of kind of variability in our surroundings and our environments, I think it's still really important, at least for me, that candidates remember this is still a formal interview process. So um, I think it's important to wear professional attire and to do the best that they can to um, treat this as though it's an in-person interview. I think the background, for me personally at least, is a little bit less important, just understanding that not everyone will be at work during these interviews and potentially due to social distancing or quarantining or whatever it may be that's pandemic related. It may be in somebody's home office or it might be in their bedroom or wherever it is. I think that's okay. I think it's important to present oneself uh, professionally. and then other than that, I think to also try to connect with us and and do show us who you are, share your personality with us, share anecdotes um, that may relate to whatever the topic of conversation is because there is a bit of a formality um, to the process and it can be difficult to break the ice, but just remembering that, you know, this probably isn't a jeans and t-shirt situation. It's probably not a too relaxed type of situation um, given, the nature of the conversation that needs to be had.
2: Yeah, I would, I would uh, agree with everything and also say that um, we would expect the residents and the faculty to maintain the formality of the interview day and the respect for the process and each other. So we'll be dressed. Um, and uh, I've been impressed in all the Zooms uh, and even on the, the virtual uh, American Board of Surgery boards that You present yourself much the same way on camera via the computer that you do in person. Um, People who fidget tend to fidget. Um, So I would say you might want to even have some practice Zooms with, you know, close friends and, and see how you're coming across. But as far as the questions and the delivery of information, it's the same delivery uh, we want to know the same things that we would have wanted to know in person via the uh by the computer um and i think that it's gonna i think that part's gonna come be fine
3: what about the technical aspect of it so I, i'm sure everybody's dredged beer is having some technological catastrophe in the middle of their um in the middle of their interview and i'm sure it happens um even to the best of candidates who do everything they can to prepare ahead of time to avoid that Does that affect the interview? How do you recover from a technical glitch?
1: I think that our current world is fairly unpredictable, and we've all had a lot of change, and I think it's a really important time for everyone to practice a little bit of empathy and to take a big deep breath and say, hey these are the constraints within which we have to work, and there are going to be technological difficulties, and some people are going to have difficulty getting onto the platform and whatever else happens Uh, from a programmatic perspective. I think that we all understand this is very stressful for everybody. Um, And I think we have to do our best to accept that these are things that happen and to still work out accommodating everybody as best we can.
2: Yeah. Wonderful answer. I, I think that this entire pandemic has taught us patience and flexibility. And uh, we, we certainly in our day are building in breaks between interviews, uh, which will help allow for some recovery if there is a technical glitch. But I think both on the applicant side and the uh, interviewer attending institution side, uh, everyone expects that there will be some hangups and we'll just work through them and the day will work out fine.
3: Excellent. So we happen to have uh, somebody who just went through this entire process. So uh, as uh, as uh, Scott said in the introduction, we have Wu Do, who's a uh, incoming uh, general surgery chief resident who just finished the fellowship trail and did a number of, of virtual interviews. Um, he very happy to announce that he was picked up for a pediatric uh, residency at Boston Children's Hospital. So Wu, you just went through this. What was your experience like um what tips do you have for candidates uh what worked well and what what didn't work well yeah thanks jason it's so good to
4: be back on behind the knife thanks so much for having me um you know let's start with the tips Uh, i think right out the gate it's it's nice as an applicant to start with an affirmation that you have received an interview invitation Uh, the program has looked at your application and deemed that you are qualified based on that uh, application packet. And so it's nice to start with the affirmation that uh, they have a genuine interest in you. So now that they are interested in you and you potentially in them, the real big question, the central question becomes, how do you assess best fit? And, you know, this used to be a whole lot easier with the um in-person interviews the pre-interview dinner is getting a sense of how things are in the program and without those at play uh, we really need a surrogate for kit and and the surrogate that i found to be most helpful and this goes both ways from resident uh, applicant to the program as well as program to the applicant but enthusiasm for qualities that are unique to the program qualities that the program identifies as central to its culture Uh, And so, for me, the best way I was able to convey enthusiasm for these things was to have anecdotes, short anecdotes, as Dr. Prabhu had mentioned, uh, crafted around things that were central to the program's culture. Um, A lot of times, these programs in advance were very kind to me and provided either PowerPoints or packets uh, that laid out things that were central tenets to their culture and things that they identified as it's key to their fellowship program, uh, but you know, part of the onus actually fell on me to investigate what the attendings did uh, in, in terms of their research, what the attendings like to do in terms of their procedures. You know, those sorts of things you can kind of research on the web and through Twitter as well as through other avenues of social media and connections with other programs to behind the scenes get a sense for what life is truly like at that program. And then when you show up for the interview, uh, you know, I think it was important out the gate because the interview can be so different in format and you don't know what it's going to be like. uh, And and it's guaranteed going to be a little bit more awkward than an in-person interview. And so I thought it was all the more important to nail that elevator pitch, the first pitch that you give, because a lot of times the first question you'll be asked is, you know, why do you want to be, in my case, a pediatric surgeon? Or why do you want to go into this fellowship? And it really helps to have really practiced and rehearsed your elevator pitch and nail that. Um, following that, I often found that the next questions were related to some aspect of that elevator pitch. So you can already identify, you know, thinking two to three steps ahead, that if you have anecdotes prepared related to the central issues that you identify in your elevator pitch, then it, it's kind of helpful because you can organically flow to that next stage of the interview. So for me, my elevator pitch had a lot to do with dealing with adversity, uh, leadership issues, uh, my time in the military, as well as my time uh, as a wrestler. And so uh, based on that, my subsequent uh, anecdotes that I told, you know, one anecdote I had prepared was related to wrestling. Another anecdote I had prepared was related to an example of a leader that I hoped to emulate. And the third anecdote I had prepared was how I endured, uh, and, and what I learned from my worst complication. And again, this actually tied to leadership values that I admired in the attending that helped me you know, endure this complication. Uh, so I found that just having a handful of anecdotes that you had practiced and rehearsed with someone you trust and gotten feedback on that really was helpful to craft an organic conversation uh, that made it a whole lot less awkward than if. You were just going back and forth in a, in a very robotic format. Um, and once that was done, a lot of times it would kind of go into the phase of the, the interview where the attending would ask, so what questions do you have for me? And a lot of times I thought that this was an easy way to demonstrate that enthusiasm I mentioned for uh, the central tenets of the program to identify that you're a good fit for the program. And so if you've done a little bit of background in, uh, research into what sort of uh, research or what sorts of issues that that particular interviewer uh, you know, identifies as key to their interests, then you can have an organic conversation related to that. And so I, I found that to be a really helpful way to think about uh, crafting your own interview. Um, all that said, I think um, once the interview was complete, uh, Every time at the end of the interview, I jot down some notes about the sort of impression that I got because, yes, they are assessing me. But, again, I also have a challenging uh, stage ahead of me to now get a sense of which program I want to rank where. And so uh, the attendings enthusiasm, you know, what did I get a sense from that? What did I get a sense from the things that they emphasized in their interview? Uh, and And so I would jot those things down.
0: Ooh, I think that's great advice to the applicants out there who are probably pretty nervous about that. But tell us a little bit more about what was your experience like virtually? What did you find that was kind of annoying? What did you find that was kind of nice? And was there anything that you experienced that you're like, God, that, I really like what that program did virtually versus something
4: else? So, uh, you know, initially, I loved going to these dinners ahead of time. I loved the organic friendships that developed with your co-applicants. And I think we're gonna really have to come up with creative ways to develop those same sorts of things. And so not being able to go in person to experience that is really the downfall of this process. Um, that said, it does take a significant burden off of you to not have a uh, to a pre-interview sort of dinner to also prepare for essentially a second interview. Because the reality is, as Dr. Uh, and probably mentioned is, uh, you are sort of being judged by the way you interact with people at these events and so uh, without that at play you know you do have to come up with another way to figure out if you're a good fit for the program and if they're a good fit for you um, as far as technical things that you know played out along the way um, technical glitches I found that as long as you were able to find a place that had reliable internet and were able to prepare in advance to set up your uh, environment, your working space, so that it was uh, uh, professional in appearance. There were really no glitches that I encountered there, but it just took a little bit of effort up front to make sure that happened without uh, glitches. Um, there were certainly annoying things that happened along the way in terms of uh, uh, interview times being delayed or, or certain Attending not being able to hop on or being uh, logged off before they intended or things like that. And as was previously mentioned, having a little bit of empathy and, and flexibility to, to react and respond to those things accordingly, I think, was necessary.
0: You know, Wu, I think you bring up a wonderful point. I, I, I can only say from my interviews as a fellow, uh, many of the same people you saw time after time after time again on the interview trail, and I'm friends with them and to this day we laugh about certain interviews and experience we had along the road so that is something that is unfortunately probably going to be left off i'd like to just transition back to Ajita and howard very quickly uh, you know whether it's virtual or in person there's certain things that every applicant probably needs to know things that you want to avoid things that you want to you know make sure that she, you or that you are remembering in the process uh, Can you talk a little bit, maybe just a couple of very quick tips and tricks that you'd say, hey, when you're in this, don't do this or remember to do that. Ajita, we'll start with you.
1: Um, Okay, we all think that the people who we are on the virtual platform with can only see a certain amount of us. Um, And I think it's important from some of the gaffes that we've seen on the news and everything else, dress fully, Um, don't put (laughs) jeans on and then wear your blazer on top. Um, because chances are people will be able to see more than you think. Um, So don't relax too much in that regard. Um, Other things, try hard not to get distracted. Um, I think we all have distractions around us and we have our phones and we have other things we're looking at, things that make us look off screen when we are on a virtual platform, I think it's really important to try as much as we can to maintain some level of, and even though we're not looking directly at each other, given the way our cameras are configured, um, I think just the idea of staying engaged, staying focused and staying in the moment is much more of a challenge on the virtual platform uh, than it would be if you were actually sitting in the room with somebody. So just keep that in mind. Um, And then other things do, Be a little bit spontaneous and do have a moment where you think of something that's important or fun to share and share that because the, the moments are. You know, going to be there, they'll be fleeting and taking advantage of that and really showing off your personality, I think can be extremely helpful to the person that's interviewing. And finally, um, don't forget to have. sense of agency about the things that you've accomplished. You wouldn't be getting interviewed if you hadn't accomplished the things on your CV. So when you're asked about them, be proud and show off who you are. Um, I think that's really important. And I think that's something that is at risk for being lost here on the virtual platform as some folks may be intimidated. And I would say just try to remember that you've earned the right to be there for that interview and definitely show off the star that you are.
2: Yeah, I think those are all important. I think that, uh, Scott, when you asked of things that um, uh, are not good, I think you really have to prepare for the interview. And with that, you have to know your own CV. So many times someone will come in and they'll be talking about that they're interested in an academic career. And then the interviewer will say, well, tell me about your research with Dr. X. And they don't know anything about their own research, which is on their own application. That's that's not good. Um, it's not good when people haven't done background work uh, about the particular institution that you're going to. So. Dr. Dell, that was a wonderful synopsis of all the things you should do when you think about your interview and prepare for it. So by not preparing, by not understanding why you're at a certain place uh, and not having done the baseline research of what the strengths of the program are, um, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, and then the other thing I think is just... Um, uh, try to be your authentic self. So this isn't the time to invent yourself. Be comfortable. Uh, it is absolutely true that if you've gotten an interview, you you already have the criteria by which you would could be accepted. So at this point, it's all about fit. Uh, and therefore, just try to see if if you fit and use that day and use that session to see if, this, if it resonates with you and try to deliver yourself so that the program can assess the real you. Um, and that's hard to do. And I find that the applicants who are in the middle of their um, season are better um, than those in the very beginning and the very end, not as far as their qualifications, but as far as their comfort level with regard to uh, transmitting their story. Uh, the residents at the beginning, are the applicants are nervous, uh, and sometimes uh, they don't deliver what you have to kind of milk it out of them, you know, why they're there, what their dreams are. And then at the end, sometimes you lack the spontaneity or authenticity because you've just simply done it so many times. Um, so those, I think, are the, are the biggest downfalls uh, on, the, on the virtual interviewing scene.
1: I would just like to tag on one thing. I I think those are really great recommendations, particularly the one about knowing your CV well. And um, one of the pitfalls that I've often seen candidates fall into is uh, under the personal interest section. Um, I will often ask about that because I'm curious to know what people are like outside of work. And it's happened on several occasions that a candidate really can't, Respond to the question about what they listed as their interest, um, and so that's one thing that you know I would encourage you to try to be thoughtful about that. I know that uh, a lot of those applications are probably already out and on their way, um, but just to be thoughtful about what you, what your personal interests are and have something that you that truly is interesting to you that you can you know, give a believable discussion about um, because likely people will ask you about that, particularly if you're in a moment of silence, that's a good time to start asking that kind of question.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's the, the fit is the real challenge. It's not the scores. It's not the letters. It's not the background or the research. Uh, and the fit comes from, hey, I see here that you ran a marathon or I see here that you like to uh, cook or whatever it is. Uh, and that brings out the real conversation. Uh, so we usually get from there to the, prof- the professional aspects and, and aspirations and then go back to social again. So uh, absolutely uh, know, know everything on your application.
3: Okay, so one final question. Uh, so we have spent a lot of time here talking about, you know, some of the different pitfalls and limitations of, of the virtual platform. In your guys' opinion, what, what's something that's a potential uh, benefit or um, uh, that's a potentially good thing about the virtual platform um, that you've discovered that maybe we want to take with us going forward, even in a post-pandemic, post-COVID world?
1: The first thing that comes to mind for me when you say that is actually punctuality, strangely, uh, because I feel like we may have a much better opportunity to control the length of the interviews, both from the candidate side, that would be a benefit, I would think, and also from the interviewer's side. Um, I think that is something that sometimes on interview days, we do get behind and that may take away from some candidates. It may give some candidates an extra leg up if the conversation is going really well. Um, And I think given the virtual platform, there's a much easier uh, way because we're not dealing with the physical mobility of the candidates moving around everywhere. And I think that may actually allow us to maximize our time that we have with the candidates while also maintaining some efficiency to the process.
2: Yeah, I think that there are many, many positive deliverables. And there are some that are unique, I think, to virtual and some that will last. I mean, this whole process has forced us to look at how we – uh, really reveal ourselves and what's efficient and whats what's been a waste of time and where we need to modernize and how do, how do applicants look at our program, whether they're going to come to visit uh, by car, train, bus, or airplane, or they're going to do it by the computer. What do we have out on the Internet? Um, that is available and how are we revealing ourselves in public and I think that that is uh, is critically important and as we make these videos and uh, and other ways to sell ourselves we're really seeing what our own app our own residents think of us and what are our strengths and if they show us weaknesses we, we repair those so uh, I think we're learning some things that are we're going to take I do agree that the timing is absolutely uh, um, been improved people are on time for zoom meetings that they weren't in person uh that's been a, that's been very interesting clearly in the short term the costs that have been associated with interviewing for from the applicant's side have been absolutely monstrous and having all fields of surgery focus on why are we having the applicants apply to so many programs and to visit so many places at such great expense and also uh frankly at some so much a time away from training and that goes for fellowship where the residents are missing so many days of their residency uh, clearly makes us look at all the interview processes and I think that will that will stick uh, after as well A challenge that we didn't talk about is assessing true interest now that it doesn't cost any money and doesn't cost any, personal time to apply to a program you could take a flyer and apply to a program that you're really not interested in and theoretically knock someone out who really wanted to go there because your scores were slightly better uh, and you don't really have that interest so it's hard for the programs to ferret out true interest um, and we're just going to have to look really carefully at the uh, at the applications, but uh, in some way, we hope that the applicants are sincere when they apply to the program, um, that they do so uh, with, uh, with a genuine heart, so.
1: I agree with that. I also think that there may be the potential benefit of taking away all the hassle associated with the travel, Um, not just the expense, but, you know, we've all been in the situation where we travel somewhere, you have to stay in a hotel room the night before, and maybe your transportation to your interview is late that day, or it's raining, or it's cold outside. And I think that taking away all those additional outside pressures um, may, or at least hopefully, would allow the candidates to relax a little bit more. Um, And perhaps that will allow us to see more of their true personalities and won't put them in these kind of additional stressful situations. So that might be an added benefit.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think that the informality of the zoom meaning you do it from wherever you're comfortable does make the person on the other side of that camera comfortable so if you're doing it in a clean clean environment uh, and you're focused but you're relaxed and you have time between interviews to take a breath um and you're not feel like you're constantly judged i think i think you're going to get a more relaxed applicant more relaxed interviewer and probably a better interaction
0: well, I just wanted to thank all of you. And again, first starting off with a formal congratulations to Dr. Doe for uh, matching in pediatric surgery fellowship in a very highly competitive field. But uh, to all the members of the panel, we really appreciate you coming on behind the knife and sharing your words of wisdom and your experiences with this, um, with this newfound virtual platform. And um, to all of our listeners, a, a true uh, word of appreciation. Thanks for joining us on BTK.
2: Thank you very much, Dr. Steele. Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you. Until next time, dominate the day.